Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Rich Reflex and today I'm really excited to have with me Joyce, my personal coach. Joyce is from the Conscious Leadership Group. Um, hi Joyce. Hi everyone, it's so good to be here today. So good to have you with us again. So maybe before we begin, you do you want to share uh, with us a little bit about yourself and what you're so passionate about? Yeah, great. So I am an executive coach and a facilitator at the Conscious Leadership Group, but I wasn't always an executive coach. So before I became a coach, I actually was a leader in tech, in marketing and advertising. So my last role was leading a global team inside of Meta, or it was Facebook at the time that I worked there. Um, so I'm very excited about the topic that we'll be talking about today because it was through the exploration of this topic, actually, that I was able to expand what career fulfillment looked like in my role at Meta. And so I really got to experiment with that in real time. And then over the course of a few years, um, playing with and understanding my zone of genius actually led me into an entirely different career. And am I right to say that you are, you know, so much more fulfilled uh, and have so much more meaning in your life now? Yes, I think that's <laughs> an accurate summary. And I would say um, I'm in a job now where work does not feel like work to me. And there was a point in my life where I thought that was too good to be true, or that could that could happen for some people and that could never happen for me. And I am a living, walking testament that when you discover your zone of genius and you're willing to actually integrate that into your life and dance with that, um, that you could actually be in a flow state whether it's showing up at work or in your personal life where um, it doesn't feel like work and you're actually getting a lot of energy from being in that state. Wow. I think, Joyce, you know, that is so inspiring to me. And in my sessions with you as well, you know, when we explore what the zone of genius is and what my zone of genius is, I think ever since then, I have been also very intentional in noticing um, you know, what my different, and and you would you would run us through later, right? What really drives us, drains us, or energizes us, and basically what makes us come alive. I truly believe that at the end of the day, we're all born with an innate gift, ability, superpower, and we're meant to, you know, discover that, hone that, and use that to serve the world. So I'm so excited to get started on this topic of Zone of Genius. Thank you so much for being so generous with your knowledge, your wisdom. So are you ready to get started? Yes, so excited. <laughs> okay, so, you know, one of the main questions is maybe, you know, if you could give us an introduction of what Zone of Genius means. Yes. So the term zone of genius was actually coined by Gay Hendricks, who um, founded the Hendricks Institute, and he wrote about it in his book, The Big Leap. And I think when many people hear the word genius, they may, may believe like, oh, maybe that has nothing to do with them. They might think yes. Einstein was a genius or like Shakespeare was a genius. And they misunderstand that term as some kind of exceptional talent that's maybe like one in a billion. But at the Conscious Leadership Group, the way we define genius um, is when you express your full magnificence, your creativity, and your gifts with the world. And so it's when you're in a state of flow. And by this definition, to your point, we were just saying, everyone actually has exceptional characteristics and qualities or abilities that are uniquely theirs to give to the world. So at Conscious Leadership Group, we really support and do zone of genius work to help our clients um, express their full magnificence. and 
and for them to hold a space as leaders where they can support and inspire other people to fully express their creativity and live in their zone of genius as well. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about zone of genius, you know, there is also the other side where it's the, there is the zone of excellence, right? So how do they differ from each other? There are four zones of competence. Mm-hmm. And so this is taken from the big leap by Gay Hendricks, but it's also a chapter in the 15 commitments of conscious leadership, which was written by Jim Dethmer, Diana Chapman, and Haley Warner Clem. In the study of these four zones, um, th- this idea is that all people tend to live and work in four different zones and that conscious leaders are committed to maximizing how much time they spend in their zone of genius, where their magnificence, creativity, and gifts can be expressed without hesitation. I would say many people and and sometimes unconscious leaders get stuck in the other three zones where they may never quite live up to or are able to express their full brilliance. By looking at this model and understanding these four zones, it just starts to bring to the front of your awareness um, what zone you might be in so that you have maybe more motivation, more awareness to step into genius. So the first zone is called the zone of incompetence. And that is the zone where you may, it's something that you do or certain characteristics or abilities that you consistently get negative feedback about. That you do that pretty much everyone else can do better and maybe makes you feel like full of dread when you think about doing it. It takes you a long time and you're not doing a great job. So if we think about our careers, I would say most companies don't really tolerate hiring people in this first zone. But actually when we look at our personal lives, we're in our zone of incompetence probably more often than we'd like to be. Wow. So it's like spending all day doing home repairs when you have no skills to be handy around the household. Um, but, you know, we see people doing this all the time. The second zone is called the zone of competence. And that is work that you can do that others can do just as well, or maybe even better. It's work that doesn't feel very satisfying And um, other people tend to do it more effectively, more efficiently, and maybe at a little bit of a higher quality. And I would say the key here is feeling a lack of fulfillment. So um, do you feel a lack of fulfillment when you're doing this? And do you notice or do you have the awareness that somebody else is doing it better? The third zone, which you pointed to, is called the zone of excellence. And this one can be a little dangerous because in the zone of excellence, it is what we consistently get positive feedback about in our work and life. It's what we do pretty much better than anyone else. And we're very good at this, like better than most people. It's what we get promoted for. It's what we get um, bonus for. Um, But at the end of the day, you know that you're in your zone of excellence when it still kind of feels like work. It's very comfortable and it's very known and there might be great benefits from being in the zone, but it's costing you some kind of energy or life force. And that could be anywhere from like a slight leak to something um, bigger and more noticeable. Uh, And when I say leak, I mean leak in energy, but it's this idea that there's a loss of energy because it still feels like work to you. And when we stay in the zone of excellence too long, oftentimes our passion, our creativity and our potential can like die out here. The fourth zone that I want to point to is what we're talking about today, the zone of genius. This is the work that you so love doing. It doesn't even feel like work. It's when you're doing it and time passes and you don't even notice how much time has passed. It's when you um, have the highest ratio of positive results compared to how much time you spent. So you're putting in the least amount of effort, but actually getting the greatest degree of impact. And it's what you love to do and are uniquely gifted to do. 
oftentimes people report when they're in their zone of genius, it almost feels like nothing to them. They assume everyone can do that thing just as well because it's so enjoyable and so naturally easy for them. And it's also what you're often most appreciated for. If we were like to step through these four zones, it could be really helpful to hear a little bit like what your zones of, what shows up for you in incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. Um, just because I think it, it could help to illustrate to the audience what these zones look like. Yeah. And and it will be great too, Joyce, you know, if we could also hear your example. So for example, yeah. for me, uh, incompetence, right? Definitely anything, you know, that is operational that requires me to be organized. I really struggle a lot <laughs> in these areas. Yeah. yeah. How about for you? Same. I probably something, anything geography related like navigating physical spaces and also um, like scheduling time related logistics yeah and for competence um so what is it that i do that others can just do as well maybe it's i think you know leading an organization at a certain stage well that was one of the first things that came to my mind for me it's probably um like the operations of a team. So organizing a team to come together to do something, I can do it, but I, I notice that other people, especially people who you do operations for their career, tend to do it much better. Like this feels like work to me and it takes me a long time. Yes, agree. Next one is the zone of excellence. Um, I think for me, it's uh, in the area of sales and negotiation. I think I'm able to do it at a high level. Um, but do I really like enjoy 100% of the time? Maybe not. Is that considered zone of excellence? Yeah, it's mm. it maybe it just feels a little bit like work to you, but you yes. often get like you're very good at this. Yes. And how yeah. about for you? Yeah, for me, um, and this is what got very dangerous for me in my career is I was very good at helping other people to realize their vision. So mm -hmm. what I got the most positive feedback about for a long time, I was a film and commercial producer. So I would take an idea and I would make it happen. Um, I would produce that project until, until it was realized into the out, output that somebody wanted. And then when I became a leader at Meta, it was about realizing an organization's vision. How would I uh, galvanize a team to deliver on somebody else's vision? And, you know, I got... I did very well professionally doing that. And I remember when I started to play with my genius and step into that and maybe even started to think about changing some of the scope of my work or exploring other careers. Um, I remember my parents saying like, are you crazy? Because you have this big title and like you're getting, you have very good compensation. Like, why would you leave this thing that you know you're good at? Wow, I want to tap more about that later. But yes, let's go to our zone of genius. Um, yeah. This is really exciting for me because I think about it as, you know, what do I do that really makes me come alive? Like, even though I may be so physically tired, but I would wake up and do it over and over again. For me, it comes to, you know, like connecting with people, rallying people. I think I have a gift of being able to relate to people. So like, I love like, just being around and being with people, be it, you know, ideating together, things like that. So that, that really drives me. Beautiful. Uh, that makes so much sense. And I totally agree from what I know about you. And I often experience it, you in your zone of genius when you're doing this podcast. And so it's like been very inspiring to watch somebody in their genius. And then now to be here talking about Aww. genius with somebody in their genius is very oh. cool. Thank so, you, Joyce. Yeah, for you. 
I would say my genius is when I am using my gifts of empathy and storytelling while enabling understanding uh, with the intention to support radical transformation. And that's, that has shown up for me in a million ways. And, and I think one of the really interesting things about Zone of Genius, when you are able to like discover it, dance with it, articulate it, is that it's not just like an action and it's not just like a career. It is a set of characteristics and abilities that show up anywhere you show up, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. Wow, that's amazing. You know, Joyce, I think when you were going through that that four quadrants with me too, there is a fine line between the zone of excellence and our zone of genius, right? And for, for you as well, while you were sharing your own experience with me, you know, you've been living in your zone of excellence for a significant number of time. And I think that's what most of us actually live in because that's where we excel, we get rewarded to stay in or to even get better in our zone of excellence. And that's where we get comfortable in that sense. And therefore, you know, never really had the opportunity or or push to really um, discover more about our zone of genius. So what yeah. was that like for you? Why do you think it's important for us if we want to, to be able to explore our zone of genius? So that's such a good question. And before we even talk about that, I want to talk about how willing we are to live in our genius. By the definition of, of zone of genius, it's when you're fully willing or, or you're fully expressing your magnificence, your gifts and creativity to the world. Um, a lot of people hear about this idea of zone of genius and they're very intrigued by it. So they are curious and want to know what their zone of genius is. And we always say at Conscious Leadership Group, that's a little bit putting the cart before the horse, because like wow. anything else in life, if you want to explore your genius, you actually have to be willing to step into your genius. And a lot of people aren't sure how willing they are because to, to live in your full magnificence can feel like a scary thought or um, there can be a lot of things that arise when you consider that notion. So one of my favorite things that Jim Dethmer talks about, who's the co-founder of Conscious Leadership Group is, he says that genius means, it literally means attending spirit. So he describes genius as like a genie in a bottle. It's an attending spirit. That genie in the bottle is very shy. If you just want to know about it, if you're curious what it is, the genie doesn't come out. But if you are willing to dance with it, to integrate it into your life and actually step into being in your genius, that's when the genie will come out. So one of the practices that I always like to offer up is this idea of um, practicing somatically if you're willing to live in your zone of genius. Why is it so important for us to, to go through this somatic experience? Yes, because when we just try to understand genius, like in our heads, if you just ask somebody in their head, are you willing to live in your full magnificence and creativity and gifts? Every, almost everybody will say yes. Yeah. But when you try it on as a somatic practice, I'm willing to commit to living 50% of my life in my zone of genius. And you really internalize what that means. Notice what happens in the body. Notice what happens in the feelings. A lot of people will describe like fear. Um, mm. uh, it's an internal resistance. And mm. so um, it's really important to, to check out what's happening in the body to know, are you actually willing to do this? That actually naturally transitions us into the next thing that we're going to talk about. So um, based on just that one somatic practice, do you think you're willing 
to live in your genius at least 50% of the time. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. And for our audience, if you're going to practice this at home, I actually invite you to repeat that exercise for three or four minutes mm. and just see what arises when you try that statement on to see if you're actually willing or not. Um, because a lot of the, the rest of what we're going to talk about, it may not be effective if you're not actually willing to live in your genius. Mm. So the next thing we'll talk about is like, you notice a little hesitation, even though you're excited, you definitely, you're definitely willing. And what we always say is that fear guards the line between excellence and genius. So if you find yourself in your zone of excellence and struggling, like, well, I want to be in my genius, I'm willing to be in my genius, but why, what's stopping me? What's that hesitation? And what I want to point to there is that living in our genius can be quite scary. And it's not just scary for some people, it's scary for most people. First, you have to feel things that you may not want to feel if you're going to cross this line from excellence to genius. So first fear is going to arise because there's a lot of unknown. It's not a bad thing. It's just, you don't know where your zone of genius is going to take you. You're not sure what that looks like. And you may not be comfortable feeling that. There also might be sadness that arises for some people. Sadness of saying goodbye to ways of being, relationships um, with certain people or companies, and people might not want to be with that. And then for some people, anger might even arise and they don't want to be with that. So the anger of something in my life is not serving me and they don't want to be with that anger. They don't want to feel that anger. And so it can feel scary to face that. So they're all, there are uncomfortable feelings that arise when we step between excellence and genius. We also all have what Gay Hendricks calls upper limiting beliefs. So upper limiting beliefs are false beliefs that keep us from moving into our zone of genius. Because a lot of people say when they're doing that somatic practice, well, I'm having thoughts like it's too financially risky for me. I might have to abandon my team. Um, it's just a dream. I'll fail. I'm too much for people. I would overwhelm people. Um, this is too risky. Nothing's guaranteed. So all of these are examples of upper limiting beliefs or these false beliefs that keep us moving from moving into our zone of genius. And what I want to say about that is it's totally natural and normal to have those kinds of thoughts. Because when we reach new highs or expand into new territories in our way of being or in life, upper limiting just occurs to help us protect ourselves. It's like our ego's way of protecting ourselves from what it perceives as possible danger. So if the ego perceives that going and venturing into the unknown or doing something that's a little unfamiliar, if the ego perceives that's dangerous, upper limiting beliefs are going to show up. Um, and what I always say is it's not so much our fear of failure that we're most afraid of. Most of us are actually just afraid of living in our full magnificence. And so upper limiting beliefs show up all over the place as one of the things that like holds us back from fully stepping into that. And I also like to talk about like these four types of upper limiting beliefs, which Gay Hendricks talks about in The Big Leap. So there are four categories of upper limiting beliefs that almost everybody has some kind of thought that shows up inside of. And I remember that when I was in my zone of excellence and I was exploring this for myself, knowing that almost everybody falls into these four categories, some, or if not all of them made me feel like a feeling of like relief, almost that it, I wasn't isolated in having these thoughts. So yeah. the, the first kind of upper limiting belief is feeling fundamentally flawed. 
So it's this idea that we can't expand into our full creative genius or magnificence because there's something inherently wrong with us. Mm. So this totally showed up for me as I was exploring my genius because I thought to myself, well, if I use my gifts of empathy and storytelling to enable understanding and promote radical transformation, like there's a big chance I could fail. Like it's too risky. It's financially risky. And I'm not going to be good enough. I won't be good enough at this. And it's like, I had a harsh inner critic that was telling me I was fundamentally flawed and therefore couldn't step into my genius. The second main kind of upper limit is this idea of disloyalty and abandonment. So especially for people who have grown up maybe in more humble circumstances, they believe that they cannot actually um, experience their full success because they would be disloyal to their roots or their team or their community, and they would end up alone. Wow. So this showed up for me a little bit because I was leading a large team and I had hired people. I had strong relationships at that company. I actually really enjoyed that job for many years. And so when it, I started to consider like, well, my genius is telling me that it might be time to look at another career path. I felt scared about abandoning a team that I had really committed myself to and, you know, was driving goals in a roadmap and had all these relationships. And that felt very uncomfortable for me. I would also say that there are a lot of relationships in our lives where there's an unconscious like collusion to not live in your zone of genius. And this could be a marriage. It could be a friendship. It could be a group of friends where you are in a contract with each other at an unconscious level that I won't challenge you to live in your zone of genius as long as you don't challenge me to live in mine. And it's not like anybody wakes up in the morning thinking they're going to do that in their relationships, but it happens. It exists. It happens all the time. And so inside of those relationships, when we start to explore what genius could look like, it can feel scary to change how we are in those relationships. It might feel scary to step outside of those relationships um, because we don't want to be judged or, or, or there's a certain way we're used to being in relationship with others. Um, if there is that sort of like collective collusion going on. And I see it in marriages and I see it in friendships. The third main kind of upper limit I'll talk about is this idea that more success equals more burdens. So people who hold this belief that if they expand to their highest potential, they're just going to have too much to handle, more things to do, people who want their attention or time, and life is going to demand so much that they can't possibly meet it. And this is something I think that, especially with people who are going through life transitions, and have a lot to juggle, it's something that shows up for them a lot. The last main kind of upper limit is outshining. So this one can be sneaky, but it comes up a lot in work that I do with clients. And especially for people who are just stepping into or experimenting with their talents and gifts, some believe that if they were to fully expand into their success and their magnificence, that they would outshine someone who's important to them and maybe make that person look or feel bad. And this one I say is sneaky because it's not usually the first one that comes forward for people, but it will show up in conversation as we explore genius. I think there are tons of societal beliefs culturally that we believe in that reinforce this idea of an upper limit. So phrases like it's too good to be true. What goes up must come down. Um, waiting for the other shoe to drop. These are all kind of like upper limiting beliefs that live in our culture that um, reinforce this idea that like maybe genius isn't possible. Yeah. Joyce, if you could just also, you know, um, share with us, what is it that we are pursuing when we are 
living in our zone of genius. What is the angle? What does living in our zone of genius feel like? It feels like being fully alive. So I often say in this work of conscious consciousness, conscious leadership, the metric for success is aliveness. How alive do you feel every day when you're doing what you are uniquely gifted to do, sharing your creativity and your magnificence with the world without needing to pause or hesitate around it? It feels a lot like so alive that you want to like dance and jump up and down. And I often wow. actually feel that way after coaching sessions or after I do trainings. Diana Chapman once described it to me as like being on the edge of orgasm all day long. Like that's how good, that's how good your life can feel. And I remember when she said that to me, I was like, maybe that's for you, or maybe that yeah. can happen to someone else, but like that could never happen to me. And now, now that I've made this shift, which by the way, took me many years. It didn't, it's not like it just happened for me overnight, but as I explored this, as I shifted, when I really pause and check on any given day to see if what she said is true. It's true. Like wow. I feel that. Yeah. You're vibrating at such a high frequency that you're just your highest self. You feel fully alive and present. And it's like, there's juice flowing through you, aliveness, and, and you're contributing it to the world. And how does that translate to other parts of your life and your being, right? Because you mentioned right. earlier, so sometimes when we're in our zone of excellence and we're just chasing and just fulfilling certain tasks that's expected of us, we might snap sometimes or, you know, we, like illnesses might show up, for example, due to stress. So how does that translate uh, to other parts of our life when we're in our zone of genius? Well, I would say it's all connected. We're just one person. So you can yeah. imagine the more we expand at 50%, 60%, 70% into our zone of genius, the more alive we feel, the more connected and, and congruent to our sense of purpose, uh, we're showing up as our highest selves. And what that does is wow. it, I think it changes everything. It affects like our mood, our feelings. I think like how open and curious we are with the world. We stop being in a state of resistance and threat and constriction. Anybody that's in that place is probably going to feel, I mean, more alive for sure, but happier. I think any anybody can attest like when you're in relationship with someone who is happy and fulfilled, yeah. um, that creates ripples across everybody that, you come in contact with. That makes all the difference, right? We're a lot more open to receiving, to giving as well. I think that's a beautiful state that we want to work towards being. You know, Joyce, when you were also sharing about, you know, moving from zone of excellence to zone of genius, I want to ask you, is it necessary for us to, you know, moving from zone of excellence to genius to have to leave our current career or job? Right, yeah. So tell us about Absolutely that. Not. I remember being very um, passionate about social impact work and I wanted to bring that into my scope and remit. And so I started to write a strategy for how I might be able to increase the diversity um, of directors, crew members, because I come from a film and production background. Um, I wrote a strategy for diverse supplier spending where we were going to try to hit 30 million in spending with diverse suppliers every year. And I started to like align stakeholders and galvanize people towards this thing, including my manager who signed off on like, yes, you should do this because all ships rise when you're able to weave something you're really passionate about into the things that you're doing. Um, so I did, I started to build social impact things into my role and it just like helped me grow my impact and influence where I was doing things that were very meaningful to me still inside of my job at Meta. Um, I also taught conscious leadership. So I started to, in my training with the founders of CLG, 
I started a class, an 18 hour course that I taught inside of Meta and my mentor and I aligned that it's just something I I would do as a side hustle. And I trained over 200 leaders in this program at Meta where eventually I got so much feedback and so many requests that like, can you help me one-on-one? Can you help my team? Or people who left the company would say, can you do this with our teams? That I started to get real signal from the world like, oh, this could maybe go somewhere else. But while I was doing it meta, I just felt so much more fulfilled and I was able to give back to this organization instead of just expecting the organization to be making me happy. I started to take responsibility. If I step into my zone of genius inside of this organization, what could that that look like and how could it actually help everybody? I love that. And that also, what I'm hearing is also very congruent and, you know, true to what Bill Burnett always says in designing a life, like start small, right? It doesn't have to be an extreme leap. What you're sharing through your experience is, you know, slowly, how can we first be conscious and aware of, you know, what we're doing, how much fulfillment or joy or or how much of our zone of excellence versus zone of genius we're currently living in. And then, you know, start to have a vision for our best life. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, start to see, uh, are there any parts uh, from our zone of genius or our best life that we can start to already infuse into our existing life? Yes, exactly. So getting to play with that, taking it like one foot in the, in front of the other, And not expecting like some radical shift overnight is definitely something I would recommend doing. So many leaders come to me for coaching around Zone of Genius and many of them end up staying in their careers and just making so much more out of it. So they'll make tweaks around what their roles and responsibilities look like, or they might shift their focus of what they're doing so that they're just more aligned to their genius and they can fully be doing that with more of their time. And, you know, Joyce, is there also maybe perhaps, you know, uh, in the interest of time also, but we'd love to hear, is there any any other activities? Like, for example, you know, one reflection activity earlier was, you know, the quadrant of the different zones, incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius uh, that we can reflect upon. Uh, is there also another activity that can help us through uh, this process yeah. of discovering our zone of genius? Yes, there's an act, uh, an exercise that we do at Conscious Leadership Group called the Best Stuff Exercise. It's called the Best Stuff Exercise, and it is an exercise in which you describe seven or eight of the best things in your life that you enjoyed doing, so it was fun and it was satisfying, that you believed you did well. So it was the high quality that you were doing. So if you love to sing karaoke, but you're a terrible singer, it probably won't, probably <laughs> won't make it here. What you do is you write down those moments and you don't like overanalyze it. You just write down what's the, what are the most memorable things that were enjoyable and were high quality. And then um, someone else, and it can be with a friend, it could be with a coach, reflects back to you the threads and themes that they see across these moments. And the reason that that's really important to do this with somebody else is because many of us are blind to our own genius. Genius flows from us very effortlessly, very easily. It doesn't feel like hard work. So we might just assume everybody is good at this or it's no big deal. So we can be blind to our own genius. It's very good for somebody else to just reflect back to you what they think it might be. I believe so much in like living in our zone of genius and it's actually not that intimidating in that sense because it is already like you said within us and it's really just taking the intentional and conscious effort to be able to you know be aware of what it is and then yeah you know taking steps to living it out yeah 
Wait, so so many people say to me like, okay, so we know the genius. Um, now what? Like, what do I do with it? And a lot of times I like to just point to where can you see that it's or you've already created that for yourself in your life. So you get that experience of like, wow, this is me because it just flows from me. If you want to look for more things to do with it, it's like anytime you feel that inner tension, that dissonance from yourself, you might want to come back to looking at your genius statement and saying like, where, how much time or energy am I putting into things that don't align with this? And can I keep coming back to this as like my compass so that I can, can take responsibility for feeling fully alive and expressing my magnificence? Because it, it, we can stray for lots of different reasons, obligation. And so to your point, having that intentionality and coming back and, and saying, okay, how many hours of my day, even if I were to break down my job and say, how many hours of my day am I actually in this statement? And like, where can I start to fine tune and make tweaks? in addition to maybe taking bigger steps or bigger initiatives to living that in that statement. So good. And Joyce, you know, as we also come to the end of this session, I could go on and on with you. I want to ask you, what's maybe what advice do you have for those of us who are curious and keen to explore our zone of genius and slowly live it out? I would say start by trying some of these practices that we're talking about today. So first, check if you're willing. Do the somatic practice for a few minutes and see what arises. And then start to notice what fears, what thoughts show up. I'll just step through what we talked about. If you want, if you are willing and you want to step from excellence to genius, have a vision for what that future can look like. Um, and what would your life and work feel like if you were to live in your genius at least 50% of the time? And then start to look at what it's costing you not to live in your genius. So making a list of all the small and maybe big ways it's costing you life force and aliveness to not live in your genius and maybe getting aware to the ways in which you might be numbing yourself out to not face that as you explore stepping into your genius one small step at a time to notice when you hit upper limits and you scare yourself like, mm. oh, it's too good to be true or, oh, that, that's never gonna happen. And just be kind and compassionate with yourself when those thoughts arise know that it's natural and normal to feel those things and that you can actually reprogram your upper limits by integrating every new high that you create for yourself by um, you know, weaving it into some mundane or soothing everyday grounding activity. So you can just start getting your body and your whole system more adjusted to how good life can be when we expand and live in our genius. And wow. the last thing I would say yeah. is like the best stuff exercise. You don't mm. have to do that you can do that with your friends or with your partner and just get some reflections back. Um, I think it's a, a worthwhile reflection um, with yourself and, and definitely with others so you, because we can be blind to our genius. And um, if you want to do like a real deep dive, you can always work with me or any of the conscious leadership coaches. And I think you'll include my information, but you could just DM yes. me on Dan or, yes. or Graham. Um, but I think coaches who are practiced in this work it will be a lot longer of a process than we just did on this podcast. But I just think it, when I did this work for myself, it fundamentally changed how I was showing up in the world. My aliveness went from like here to here in, a, in years, but like every step that I took, I just got more alive, more free, like more joyful, more creative. That's amazing, Joyce. I was like listening to you with so much envy, you know, like we we all should get to that where we're more alive, more free in a sense. And 
basically, I think that is the purpose and that is what success in life means to me, to be able to know what our true superpower is, the reason of our being and being able to live that out. So thank you so much, Joyce. Where can we find you online? So you can always find me at the Conscious Leadership Group's page, which is conscious.is, or I write a newsletter on career, career transitions on LinkedIn. So you can always DM me or follow me there. And then my Instagram handle is at Joyce Chen underscore coaching. Thank you so much, Joyce. And keep doing what you do and keep inspiring and helping all of us through our journeys. Uh, I really enjoyed this chat tremendously. Thank you. It's been so wonderful and such a privilege um, to watch you in your genius and then get to be here today as you're in your genius. Thank you, Joyce. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.